Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host, Lauren, to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in with us today. This is episode number eight and part three of Rising in the Spirit of an Overcomer. We all face challenges, so we hope today's episode, as well as the last two, encourage you and provide you with practical tools to use whenever you find yourself needing to rise above circumstances in your life. There's just so much to talk about within this topic, and we decided to dive deep. Yeah, you know, and Lauren, I really am glad we're taking time to dive deep because Being able to rise above adversity and setbacks is really crucial to us living well. And we know first in Maine is your avenue to living well. The bottom line is life isn't easy. And God is definitely doing things through our podcast. I believe us having the ability to come alongside all of you guys, pass along things we've learned over the years, as well as share the people in our world. It's just such a blessing, not only to us, and we certainly hope it is to you guys as well. Yes, if you haven't listened to part one and part two, you can definitely stay here and listen without hearing those previous episodes. However, you will definitely want to go back and listen to those. In part one, Debs and our special guest, Teresa, teach on biblical hope, the first and main thing in overcoming anything. In part two, they share the first two keys to rising in the spirit of an overcomer, which come from chapter 40 in Isaiah. And today, we have Teresa back one more time to help us wrap up this topic. Hey, Teresa, we are so happy to have you here with us again. Hi, Lauren and Debbie. I'm so happy to be here again uh, because this is such an important topic. Life can just be overwhelming sometimes. As a counselor, I've often had the opportunity to work with people that were struggling in this area, and I'm very passionate about helping others, and so I really do thank you guys for having me here one more time. Well, we love you. You honestly are one of the most knowledgeable, loving, and helpful people I have ever known, and the blessing is ours to have you. All right, guys, so today we're going to be sharing two more keys to overcoming. And I do think they're probably my two favorite ones. Now, we say keys because what do keys do? They unlock things. And we believe if you use the keys we're sharing with you, they will unlock or, let me say, unleash the spirit of an overcomer within you. Well, I am certainly ready to be unleashed. (laughs) (laughs) I need all the keys. (laughs) So let's just jump right in. Debs, can you, Teresa, do a quick recap for us? Sure. All right. So first, when it comes to rising in the spirit of an overcomer, hope is absolutely essential. You know, it's really important for us to understand where hope comes from and how to grow it because challenges erode our hope. If you haven't heard episode six, you definitely want to go and listen to it because that's where Teresa and I unpack what hope is all about and where we find it. Absolutely. The second thing is when it comes to facing obstacles and adversity, we're all prone to let our feelings get the best of us. We complain, we whine, we get weary, we even question God. 
But there is a better way. We can rise up in the spirit of an overcomer. Yeah, I guess the question is how? Well, we believe uh, the secret is in these keys because they give us specific things to do to unleash the spirit of an overcomer within us. Now, the first key we mentioned was we listen to the right voice because it will encourage us and we need encouragement, especially when we're facing obstacles. The second key is we need to look to the right source. Because if we're looking in the right place, we can be empowered. And we certainly need some strength and power to overcome the challenges that we face. Remember, we are getting these keys out of the book of Isaiah in the Bible, chapter 40. And the next key comes from verses 9 and 10 and verse 26. Verses 9 and 10 in the Amplified, it says, Say to the cities of Judah, Behold, The Lord God will come with might and his arm will rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Now, in these verses, behold is said twice. And the word there is actually hene, and it means see. Interesting. So really, this scripture is telling us to see. Yes. And to see what? It says, see the Lord. See that he's going to come. See that he has an arm that rules, that he has a reward, and he has victory coming with him. If you go a little bit further in Isaiah, in verse 26, it tells us how to see. The amplified verse, it says, lift up your eyes on high and see. Who has created these? He brings out their host by number, calls them all by name through the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing or lacks anything. In this passage, they're being told to see who, what? To see God, to see who he is. And it's referring to the galaxies and the stars and all of this stuff. And again, that word see there is actually behold. But it's a different word. It's actually ra'ah. It means to see, but it means to see as to discern, to actually consider and perceive. So what we find is in this chapter, the children of Israel are being told to consider and perceive their God rightly. He is the creator of the universe, and they really need to grasp just how big and great God is. He is a God who doesn't tire out. He cares for them. He can strengthen them and enable them, sustain them. And it's telling, you know, all throughout that chapter that he knows where they are. He knows how they feel and what they fear. And he is more than adequate to meet their every need. And I love that it's talking about the stars here and how, you know, God upholds them. You know, they don't lack anything. You know, God created the universe, but he did it for a reason. He created the universe for us. So if he upholds the stars, how much more will he uphold us who he created everything for? You know, they only need to perceive him rightly, because when they do, they'll understand that they lack for nothing. You know, he really is wanting them to stop looking at their current troubles and start fixing their eyes on him and all that he's promised. So this is our third key. For us to rise in the spirit of an overcomer, we need to see things the right way. That is what will really help us. Absolutely. And you know, in order to see things in the right way, often we have to identify what we are focusing on and make a shift. I love that. I also want to point out quickly that whenever we feel a lack of something, maybe a lack of support or a lack of enjoyment, lack of finance, 
Many times it's just the enemy at work trying to get us to react and respond negatively. And many times this is really where temptation creeps in. Yeah, you're right, Teresa. When we look to God and consider Him first, it can change that feeling of lack to an assurance of provision. John 10.10 says that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but God's purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. Yes, you know, as you just pointed out, there's a difference between looking and seeing. To look really means to direct one's gaze towards something or someone, but to see means to perceive or discern, usually visually. So we want to think about that. How is it that two people can look at the same thing, yet see something completely different? We see that all the time. One example is two people can look at the same glass of water. One person sees the cup half empty. The other person sees the cup half full. It has to do with something we refer to as perception. Perception is just the way we interpret the things we see. Many things can shape our perception from our childhood experiences, maybe relationship experiences, uh, church experiences, and so on. But as our perception is shaped, it affects the way we view ourselves, the way we view others, the way we view the world itself, the way we view our problems, and especially the way we view our God. You know, this challenge is one we all face because we're all human. We naturally look at things from a human or natural perspective. The problem with looking at these from the natural perspective is that that leads to misperception. It leads us often to a wrong or incorrect interpretation of the things we're experiencing. So true. You know, and I think if we're honest, we all have a tendency to look at things, you know, at kind of what we call face value or at surface level. And you've probably heard the expression, there's more to it than meets the eye. And this is so true. When we talk to people, we encounter situations, there, usually there's much more under the surface. And like you said, our natural perceptions can be influenced by so many things. And what I've learned with myself and definitely seen with other people is our perceptions can be a really big hindrance to actually perceiving and seeing what is true. And the bottom line is we need to be able to see things as they truly are, not as we perceive them to be. And I believe if we really want to rise in the spirit of an overcomer, we need to be able to see things the right way. And that means we need it to be able to, you know, move beyond our limited perceptions. And the only way we do that is with the help of the Holy Spirit. He can give us spiritual eyes to see things that we would otherwise not see without Him. Absolutely. That reminds me of a story in the Bible that really illustrates that. Uh, we find that story in Second Kings chapter 6. We see two different perspectives from two different people and their reactions, but to the same situation. The text reads in verse 15, The servant of the man of God got up early and went out, and behold, there was an army with horses and chariots encircling their city. Elisha's servant said to him, Oh no, my master, what are we to do? Elisha answered and said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. Man, that is such a great example. You know, we do. Uh, see here that until this guy's eyes were opened, um, until he truly saw rightly, 
He believed that they were defeated. He thought that they lacked support and help. But as soon as his eyes were opened and he could actually see the truth, he realized that there were many more with them than against them. Yeah, Elijah's servant was scared. From his perspective, he didn't know what to do, and he was worried. He was thinking that the king was about to stomp all over them and with his army. And then you have Elisha, and he's just cool as a cucumber, and he's like, chill out, dude. (laughs) Because from (laughs) his perspective, he thinks we've got this. And it really just goes back to what we were saying earlier about how we perceive things. Elisha was a person that saw plenty. His confidence was in God, but his servant saw lack. Well, up until Elisha prayed for him anyways. Yeah. You know, think about this. This, you know, is just a thought I had, and I definitely think it's from the Holy Spirit. If deception is the enemy's primary weapon, then wouldn't right perception be our greatest defense? Ooh, that that's really good, Debs. It is. You know, we want to remember here back in the Exodus story, an example of this. When the children of Israel faced an obstacle on their journey, they complain, complain excuse me, they whined, they even questioned God. Their perception influenced how they responded every time. We see the same thing happening here in chapter 40. Isaiah forty twenty seven says, Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine Israel, saying, God's lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. We can all learn so much from these stories because from time to time, we'll suffer the same disease of woe-ism, oh, woe-is me, and (laughs) why-ism. Why is this happening to me? Just like them, if we're not seeing things the right way. You know, one of the things that um, I've learned, and it's taken me many years, is that what can kind of help me move beyond that woeism and whyism is changing my focus away from my problems and actually fixing my focus onto God's promises. So the key, again, to rising in the spirit of an overcomer is to see things the right way, because the way we perceive things makes a huge difference in how we're going to react and respond to life, because perspective influences everything. It influences our attitude, our beliefs, our emotions, and most definitely our responses. Think about this. The children of Israel were on a journey towards the promised land, right? So what was the promised land? It was described as a place of abundance. It was a place full of provision, flowing with milk and honey. And that is the place God wanted them to dwell in. But for those of you who are familiar with the story, most of the people who headed to the promised land, never made it. They actually went in circles for 40 years, round and round, because they thought every time they met with an obstacle that it was too big and impossible for them to overcome. And it kept them going in circles round and round. And I think it's really interesting that we find ourselves at chapter 40, and as we mentioned in last, in, you know, in the last episode, that this chapter marks a very significant shift. And I just want to suggest that if we get a hold of the keys in this chapter, something significant can shift in our lives. And I just want to ask you, are you tired of going in circles? You know, have you lived too long stuck in cycles of defeat? You know, do you are you just fed up with every time you meet with the opposition or obstacle, you just get disillusioned and discouraged, you whine, you complain, you question God? I mean, wouldn't you love to step into the promised land? a place of 
ease, not disease, a place where uh, you live in God's goodness, His greatness and provision. I want to tell you, it's possible. You know, they needed a perspective shift. Many of them didn't have it. You know, they looked at things all wrong. They focused on the wrong things. They looked at their circumstances instead of perceiving and discerning the goodness and greatness of God. And I just want to encourage you, we can have a perspective shift. It is possible. Yeah, absolutely. You know what this reminds me of? What? A few years ago, you shared a perspective picture. It was a picture of a woman. Teresa, I can't remember if you were there that night or not. It was during one of our disciple nights at Debs. I do remember that, yes. Okay. Okay, good. So, Debs, you handed out a picture that night, and when we looked at it, some of us could see an old woman, but others actually saw a young woman. And depending on how you looked at the picture, you saw one or the other. Yes, I remember that. Okay. So you told us that if we focus on the picture and really looked at it, we could eventually see the other woman. And some of us were like shifting the picture and turning it around and mm-hmm. upside down. We were doing whatever we could to see that other lady. But the key was we had to focus on what we were looking for. We had to see it differently. It was pretty cool because it was there and we just had to look to see it. Yeah. You know, I think we can find that same perspective picture on social media right now. And that has been a tool that I've used. It definitely helped me kind of get a hold of what we're trying to, you know, talk about today. And maybe you guys have seen them. There's one, I think, that even of a dress. And some people, when they look at the dress, they might see it blue, others see it pink. And I think there's even one um, with a shoe that kind of does a similar thing. What's the point of all of that? You know, it's to help us understand that there's always another way to look at something. And the reality is what we focus on is what we see. I agree completely. What we focus on matters. It's the same in our lives. The right perception can help us see a situation, a challenge, a disappointment, completely different than how we may interpret it at first. Over the years, time and again, I've seen significant shifts in people who began to see their situation from a different perspective. I've seen seismic shifts in people's emotions and hearts and their faith once they began to see things in the right way. You know, it reminds me of a time in my own life when I had a pretty significant shift. Um, For many years, I had struggled with uh, really seeing myself as God saw me. And um, I struggled with seeing myself as not quite measuring up. If I made a mistake in something, I felt that that um, that God was displeased with me. Uh, and one day, I really had an encounter with God in a very special way where He led me to Romans 8, 1. Uh, in that verse, God says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I said, well, sure, I believe that. And I did with my head, but it really wasn't a part of who I was at that time. And so I saw the therefore and went back to the previous chapter, chapter 7, and I've identified that Paul had the same struggle. He was wrestling with uh, his history and was that what made him acceptable to God or what? And he identified that, no, it's really just the work of Christ. And, you know, God really had a spoke to me and said that Christ's death and burial and resurrection was enough for him to not condemn me and asked me, would it be enough for me not to condemn me? So that really was a shift in my thinking that has lasted ever since. Wow. You know, I think that's that that thing, deception. 
Yes. When we believe incorrectly is the enemy's weapon to hold us back and down and from overcoming and defeated in areas of our life. But the right perception is our greatest defense. And as you began to see rightly, it made all the difference. Absolutely. You know, as believers, the Holy Spirit is the one who can enable us to see things differently, especially to see God, that He is gracious and good and loving and kind and generous and all of these things. And the wonderful thing is the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. He leads and guides us into all truth. And today, we hear people talk about truth, and we say, well, your truth and my truth, and we don't have my truth and your truth. There is the truth, and we're to be led to that, which means we might perceive things one way, but the Holy Spirit leads us to the truth, and that will change our perception to be what it's supposed to be, the right way. Oh, yes. You know, um, regardless of what has previously shaped our perceptions and so on, when we have the Holy Spirit and we understand the Bible, that really shapes how we see life, how we see challenges, how we see death, suffering, how we see other people, and how we see especially God. We refer to this as a biblical worldview. The reality is, if we're not believers, we naturally are going to handle things very differently. But if we are believers, our perspective is to be transformed by the new renewing of our mind. Our minds are renewed as the Holy Spirit works in our life to illuminate or to uh, reveal God's Word to us. In the process, we gain a kingdom perspective, and this literally changes how we view everything. So true. You know, and as we grow in our relationship with God, what we do, we get to know Him better. We might perceive Him one way, but then as we walk with Him in time and He's revealing things, we learn who He truly is. And what we find is that with Him, we lack nothing. So again, this third key, rising in the spirit of an overcomer is We do that when we begin to see things the right way. And the way that we do that is with the help of the Holy Spirit. So let's move on. Let's talk about number four. Teresa, do you want to um, share that with us? Sure, I'd love to. You know, let me start with, we find this key in Isaiah 49 through 11. And Deb, if you could read that first, we can talk about that. Sure. It says, Go up on a high mountain, you joyful messengers of Zion, and lift up your voices with power. You who proclaim joyous news to Jerusalem, shout it out and don't be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Look, here comes Lord Yahweh as a victorious warrior. He triumphs with his awesome power. Watch as he brings with him his reward and the spoils of victory to give to his people. Mm. You know, here they're told to lift up their voices with power. They're told to shout out good news. They're to shout out the things God's going to do and to shout it out without fear. This is something the scriptures affirm over and over. We overcome our challenges by the word of our testimony. And when do we do this? Right away. Because as soon as we start declaring our hope and we begin to proclaim our confidence in God, things shift right away. Yeah, so the key to rising in the spirit of an overcomer is to declare his works and his word right away, like you said, because it really will uphold us. You know, our circumstances, when we do this, may not change right away, but our perception certainly will. And when we do this, we will feel our shout or our declaration beginning to lift us up. And before we realize it, 
we can actually begin soaring far above the opposition and the challenges we're facing. I love that you just said that about soaring above the opposition, Debs, because at the end of Isaiah 40, it says that those who wait on the Lord, and that word wait, by the way, means hope. Those who wait on the Lord or hope in Him, they will find a new strength and they will soar high on wings like eagles. If I'm faced with opposition, I would much rather be soaring on eagles' wings without a worry in the world than to be dealing with frustration. So true. And sometimes we linger in frustration too long when if we just did things right away, things could shift. Like I said, these are some of my favorite keys, and learning this has made such a difference in my life. And I can honestly say, if I've learned one thing over the last 25 years, this is how to fight your battles. In the midst of any struggle, when you're meeting with opposition, when you're feeling overwhelmed, fight in that place with worship and with truth. You know, are you feeling distressed? Well, get dressed. The Bible tells us that we are to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Well, what is praise? It's simply a declaration of truth. Y'all, there is a song called Surrounded. It starts off by saying that for the spirit of heaviness, put on a garment of praise. This is how we fight our battles. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I love that song. And it's a declarative song. It's a praise song. Um, And the main hook in that song says... It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And it just repeats that again. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. What's happening? You know, they were speaking to yourself. I don't care what it looks like, but I know, God, you're uh, with me. You've got me. And when we start making praises like this and we worship and we fight with, you know, declarations, something shifts in us. Absolutely. You know, we're told in the Word to speak to the mountains and tell them to be moved. We need to know how to talk back to our soul and the enemy of our soul. You know, David told his soul to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And our soul is our mind and our thinking and our feelings. And we need to speak to our thoughts and to our feelings. And we need to speak to the enemy of our soul, the enemy himself, Satan. So true. We definitely do. You know, there are times where we just need to rebuke the enemy. When you start feeling, you know, that spirit of heaviness, when you feel um, opposition coming against you, if you know Jesus, if you are born again, we have been clearly given authority. And the Bible tells us to rebuke, you know, we can rebuke the enemy. And there have been times in my life where I have just stood up and I have rebuked the enemy, not in my name, not in my power or anything, but in the name of Jesus. And I've said things like Satan, you know, or any evil spirit that is harassing me, that is, you know, fighting against me, that is opposing me, that is attacking me, get away from me in the name of Jesus. You have no authority or power to harass me. And I'm telling you, you can feel Things change. There are times where I've been tempted, like I talked about that in the previous episode. Temptation is real. We all face temptations. Well, what do you do in those times? Do you mull it around in your head? Do you just go around and round and just feel it and think about it? No. Take authority. Speak up and speak out. Well, what do you speak? You speak the promises of God. You speak scripture over your life. You declare the word. There is no temptation that has come against me except that which is common to man. But with every temptation, God will provide a way, you know, of escape. 
Now, Teresa, when we started this, uh, we went to Exodus 17, and we mentioned how in that story, it can help us, you know, gain a better understanding of the balance between our part and God's part. And in that story, Moses had something to do, God was doing something, and Joshua had something to do. And it specifically says that Joshua fought and resisted the enemy in the valley. At that point, it looked like they were surrounded. But he stood his ground, and it says that he wielded his sword. And when he did, they overwhelmed Amalek. So Joshua fought with the sword in the valley, and so do we. So what is our sword? It's the word of God. Because Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active. It's actually sharper than a two-edged sword. And I remember a specific time in my life where I was definitely in a valley, a really dark place of depression. I mentioned how Teresa came into our family's life when our family went through a trauma, and it was during this time. And to be honest with you guys, I had gone through, I talked to you about overcoming sexual abuse and you know many different things. And I had had Stormy and Martin's books. I had prayed about breaking generational curses. I had walked our property. And I, I believe that um, there were certain things that would never happen in our family, and something did. And when I faced that situation, all I could look at is what happened. And it really led me to a very dark place. I was discouraged. I was disillusioned. I I had a crisis of faith. I wondered if what I had believed was true. And that just put me on very, very shaky ground. And I remember one morning, you know, it had been months and I was struggling with, you know, depression and I had gotten up and I was still doing the right things. Wasn't feeling it, but I was doing the right things. I had gotten my Bible out and I was reading. And that particular morning, I opened up to the book of Job. And let me tell you, I read the book of Job and I'm thinking like, in light of what I'm going through, that's nothing <laughs> compared to what Job went through. But, you know, Job speaks to the sovereignty of God. And so I remember just thinking and pondering on it that day and That night came, I was standing at my kitchen sink, and I had the radio on, and a song came on that was very popular at the time. And the lyrics in that song said, I will bless the Lord at all times. You know, basically, I will bless him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And I remember just thinking about Job, and I began singing, you know, the words to that, and I wasn't feeling much, but like something began to just take hold of me. And and I began thinking about the things that God had done in my life and how many times He had been faithful. And I started, you know, just saying, God, I remember. I remember your faithfulness to me. I remember how you pulled me out of the clutches of addiction. I remember how you saved my family, God. You are faithful and you are God and I know who you are. And as I began to just rehearse, you know, his goodness to me and I began to declare his faithfulness and I began to worship and sing, you know, God, you give and you take away, but blessed be your name. I'm telling you, something broke. Discouragement began to lift. Just my fear and my depression began to break off of me. And from that day forward, my depression was gone. Mm -hmm. Debs, this really is so key. When we declare God's word right away, it will uphold us because we can be sure of this. 
God's word never fails. In fact, we're told clearly in this chapter of Isaiah 40, in verse 8, the word of our God stands forever. We can count on it. You know, I also wanted to mention, uh, we may be singing the songs of praise about the promises and goodness of God, but struggle with feeling unsure about believing the words. You know what? Don't even worry about it. Because God's word tells us God inhabits or lives in the praise of his people. So as we do our part, we lift our voice, we wield our swords, and we shout or sing. God always does his part and helps us overcome our challenges. Yeah. You know, every one of these keys we've talked about in chapter 40 help us make small shifts that grow our hope in God. When we listen to the right voice, when we look to the right source, when we see things the right way and we declare God's works and his word right away, we're doing our part and we can be absolutely certain that God will do his part too. I know that God wants us to overcome today, and as you're working on this episode, I happen to open up my Joyce Meyer Trusting in God Day-by-Day devotional, and guess what? My devotional for today, April 28th, was actually called Positively Possible. Wow. (laughs) Once I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we're talking about and studying right now. Look at God. I know. In the devotion, Joyce Meyer uses the story about how 12 men go to spy on the promised land to see what it was all about. 10 of them come back, and although they admit that the land was full of milk and honey, they also say that it was full of giants, making it impossible to overcome. But two of the 12 come back, Joshua and Caleb, and they speak out in faith and confidence, basically saying, we've got this. Let's go get this land. And it was just so cool because the devotion was all about perspective. When we believe in God, we can win any battle we face. And that's basically what we're talking about today, rising in the spirit of an overcomer. Yeah. You know, believing that despite the giants, we can overcome. Guys, I hope you're hearing the Holy Spirit talking to you today because it is time to hope in God and believe like we've never believed before, that we can overcome anything. God wants you to emerge out of whatever you're feeling today, whatever you're facing. He wants something to shift in your spirit, and He wants to help you rise in the spirit of an overcomer. You know, I really want to encourage our listeners to put these two keys into practice today. You know, take some time and ask God to help you focus on the right things and open your eyes to see things the right way. Ask Him to show you any misperceptions you have. Yes, and take some time to start declaring God's Word and His goodness over your life. Put on some praise music and fight. You know, thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us new strength and being constant when life gets hard. Yeah, I'd love to wrap us up with just kind of like a word of prayer and declaration. God, we know that it is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. That's how we overcome. You know, by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, I declare that the works of darkness operating in any of our lives anything that is coming against us to be undone right now in Jesus' name. Father, no test, no trial, no temptation can overcome us according to your word, and no weapon fashioned against us has the power to prosper. 
Father, right now, I ask that you would release your power in and over our lives to help us overcome anything that comes our way. We believe that you can do all things and that through Christ, you will give us the strength to overcome. We believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives within us. And I'm asking you, God, to forge within us a holy resolve that nothing is impossible in Christ. And I ask right now for your spirit, the spirit of the overcomer, to begin to roar and rise within each of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it for today. We know that we unpacked a whole lot about rising up and overcoming obstacles, but hopefully you have the four keys you need to unlock the spirit to help you rise up and overcome. In our next episode, we're bringing on more special guests, their personal stories, and how they were able to rise up in some of their hardest times. Also, we'll be hearing from our friend Anika, who just published her first book, Believe It or Not, Believe to See, and it's releasing Saturday, May 15th. So not this Saturday, but the next. You can search it on Amazon. You can actually pre-order. We'll put all the details on our social media so you guys can find it. I can't wait to hear more about her book. Do you think she'll autograph it for me? (laughs) I do. (laughs) Also, this Sunday, May 9th, is Mother's Day. So to all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the five stars for us if you enjoyed it. We also want to invite you to join us on our Facebook and Instagram for all of our podcast details. But if you want to dive a little deeper and get your hands on some free tools and resources, search for our online community group called First and Main's OCG with Debs and Lauren. Again, thanks for listening. We cannot wait to meet all of you here again at First and Main your avenue to living well.